0: Okay, so let's turn to Genesis chapter 49 and we'll try to wrap up chapter 49 today in the book of Genesis. And we'll start reading from verse 28. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, every one with a blessing appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, for a burial site. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebecca, and there I buried Leah, the field and the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. And when Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and he breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Okay, so we have looked over, we've spent uh, several, several, uh, uh weeks looking at the blessings that he blessed his children with. And it says that he gave each one of them a blessing appropriate to them. What's interesting here is that all 12 of them, no matter how bad they were, remained his son. If you look back, we, we, we spent an entire week looking at, at Reuben and uh, uh, how Reuben had slept with one of Jacob's wives. And because of that, there was really no blessing per se that was given. He was given an allotment of land, and that's it. But he just recounts the sin of Reuben. But nonetheless, Reuben remained his son. Then there's Simeon and Levi. Again, he cursed their anger, and he told them, you're not going to get an inheritance of a part of land, but you're going to be scattered. And we looked at the maps last time, how they were scattered. Throughout the, throughout the other tribes, both of them. And Simeon was end, ended up just getting subsumed by, by Judah, had really no land of their own that they could really call their own. Uh, and and so, nonetheless, they remained sons. And I can liken this, that if a person has confessed Jesus as Lord, believed that he's risen from the dead, according to the scriptures, he will be saved. He will be saved and he will be forever saved. And that's, I think, what the Scriptures clearly teach, that there is an eternal salvation that is given. As far as inheritance, an inheritance is something that happens as we walk with the Lord. And so these sons never stopped being sons. And then to, to uh, uh, several of his other sons, they just got their inheritance, and as a matter of fact, this is what it's going to be like, this is what your land is going to be like. To Judah, who walked much more closely near the end of his life, Uh, uh, well, for the first 45 or so years, wasn't walking very much at all. 45 years or so, wasn't walking much at all. But then uh, really started looking out for the affairs of others and for the affair of his fathers. Then it was said of him, through his line, the Messiah would come. The great blessing was displayed upon Joseph. And Joseph was filled with God and And the great blessing was put upon him. So that's what we had seen last time. Uh, And and for each one as was appropriate to him, it says in verse 28, with the blessing appropriate to him. God is the one who designates. God is the one who will give appropriate. And what we see in the New Testament, it is given according to what he gives us. When he gives us, what do we do with what he gives us? That's what the future blessing is going to entail. And then he says, he, then he charged them, and he says, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave, in verse 29, that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite. He is being as specific as can be here. He said, you make sure you bury me in that field. You know, he had already told this to Joseph, and he got Joseph to swear to this. In chapter 47, verse 29, he had called Joseph, chapter 47 of Genesis, and then he says in verse 30 of chapter 47. But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And he said, swear to me. So he swore to him. He didn't even just take his word. He says, you got to swear to me. You're going to take me back over there. He was connected to that land, connected to the land. Now he's telling all his sons, make sure you take me back there. And he says it again. So he said it in verse 29. He says it again in verse 30, more specific. He says, in this specific cave, in this field, at the end of this field, in this area, in Mamre, in the land of Canaan. And then he says, this is the field that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite because they're going to be going back after 17 years. So he has now been 17 years in Egypt. They're going to be going back after 17 years. There may be other people that have claimed that territory. But he's reminding them, remember, Abraham bought the land. If there's any problem with, with, with any of this, just remember that this was purchased. This is the documentation he's giving them. And then he says more. He says, there they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there they buried Leah. So, And, and uh, then again in verse 32, the field and the cave that is in it. Purchased from the sons of Heth, he again stresses this. And this is, uh, you know, sometimes people tell me I repeat myself. If there's something that I really want a person to do, I will repeat myself. I don't care if they tell me that I repeat myself. I'll say it five times to make sure that thing gets done. And you can see this is exactly what he's doing here because he knows most of these sons are not very responsible. So he's like, look, did you hear me? I said to do it this way. I said to do it this way. There's an interesting feature here in verse 31. He says, there they buried Abraham and his wife, Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. And there I buried Leah. So I could see that maybe he didn't have anything to do with the burial of Abraham per se. He was 15 years old when Abraham died his grandfather abraham died he was 15 but he very much participated in the burial of his his uh his father isaac isaac lived to be 180 you might remember and so isaac died 27 years before this so when when uh um when joseph was 120 his father isaac died So he participated, it was right there, living very close to to where this gravesite is, right there just outside of Hebron, and and, uh, um, by the Oaks of Mamre there. And so he participated in this, maybe he didn't physically bury him, but he says, there I buried Leah. There's this association with Leah that's just amazing. You might remember Rachel was the wife that he loved, and but Rachel was the one who stole the idols from her father Laban Rachel uh, um and then he had to eventually take those idols from her and bury them so she wouldn't have them anymore and when she died they were not far they they were on the road to Bethlehem they were not far from this this territory i i could say Probably ten miles is my guess. Certainly within twenty miles, not far from this gravesite. He did not bury her there. We are not told why he didn't, but he did not bury her there. There is, uh, uh, um, and and he buried it, and, and uh, uh, he buried her not that far from there. We're not told why. It may have been that he didn't want to have an idol worshiper there. He loved her as a wife, but but uh, he didn't bury her there. It was Leah that got buried there. And, and uh, uh, it, it's interesting, the things about Leah, you may remember if you turn back to Genesis chapter 29, these things that we had covered about Leah. Uh, but it's interesting things about Leah and what she went through in her marriage. So, for for example, um, it says that... that uh, It says of of Leah in verse 30. So Jacob, this is of Genesis chapter 29, verse 30. So Jacob went into Rachel also. And indeed, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And and he served Laban for, for another seven years. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. It is because she was unloved, it says, that he opened her womb. He gave an extra blessing to the unloved woman, to the unloved wife. God came and gave extra blessing to her, blessed her with a son and another son and another son and another son, four sons. Uh, And with each son, she was saying, oh, now my husband will love me. He didn't particularly love her. And another son, now my husband will love me. And then after the fourth son, after she had had uh, uh, Judah, she turns it and she says in verse 35 of chapter 29, this time I will praise the Lord. She had stopped trying to win him over in this way as she had been formerly. And she just said, I'm just praising the Lord. Now, the Lord did eventually open her womb and she ended up having two more sons at a later date after that. And it may well have been that the Lord, it never says the Lord closed her womb. It says that she stopped bearing. It may well have been that, that uh, uh, Jacob stopped having relations with her because remember, it was Rachel who controlled. We read about how Rachel then took control of who he slept with. And then as soon as it was opened back up, access to sleep with Leah again, she immediately conceived, immediately. And then she conceived again. But it was Rachel who controlled all of this. And we'll look more at that. Rachel was an unloved wife and so God came and he showed her more attention. I know that there are many unloved, fine, believing women in this world who are unloved or not appreciated by their husbands. God's grace is extra upon you. It is extra. It was extra upon Leah and in the end it was Leah. That was going to be buried next to Jacob, and not Rachel. It was Leah who was given this esteemed position. That grave where Abraham, Isaac, and Rebecca where sarah uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob—where Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah are buried. That gravesite is there to this day, and I've been there. You can go and see it, and uh, uh, you can go right there and see that that gravesite where that cave is. Now the, the land form is different, but it's underground. And they have there, there was, in I think in the 1970s, there was an excavation and they actually went into the cave and they took pictures in that cave. And so it's not that you just take a cave and you put a body in it. In those caves that were made for multiple people, uh, you can see them today. You go in the cave and then duck out into the wall of the cave are these openings that, that are probably only about... Uh, I don't know, 18 inches in, 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 in uh, maybe, maybe, 18 inches in, maybe 24 inches in, in diameter, about 24 inches in diameter, and they would just insert the bodies into those graves, just, just wrapped up. And even to this day, if you go to a funeral in Israel, uh, very often a casket is not used; it's just a blanket over the body, and with that blanket. They put them into the side of a mountain and just put a cap on it. And that's what's done today. And so she is the one that's given this place of honor. God is the one who does this. There, is, there are numerous encouraging verses on this. So, for example, if you look in, in Psalm, Psalm 34, verse 18. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who who are crushed in spirit the lord is near to who to the brokenhearted in the end leah was the one he says and he says you know they buried in in chapter 49 verse 31 they buried I, abraham they buried isaac i buried leah it's very specific i've looked in, in numerous translations and Including the Young's literal translation, all of them say they, they, I. He took this very personally. I buried Leah. It was the decision that he made, and it was it was something that was that was there ordained by God. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we are brokenhearted, and when we are crushed down, the Lord is all the nearer. He is nearer to us in our pain than he is in our joys. He's nearer to us in our pains. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. In Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 42, it is speaking of the the coming Messiah, of the Lord Jesus. Many things are revealed to us in the Old Testament that were never revealed to us about the Messiah in the New Testament. And it says in chapter 42, verse 1 of Isaiah, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor make his voice heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. This is what it says of the Lord Jesus. Here's the description. A bruised reed he will not break. Think of a reed that's been bruised and that's just kind of fallen over. Most people just pull that thing out. Jesus comes and he takes that bruised reed that's collapsed and he makes it straight again. And maybe he puts some, some sort of support on the side. He, even a reed that's bruised, he, it, it says he, he's not going to break it and a dimly burning wick He will not extinguish, even if there's any life there. Some people go through such pains in life where they are unloved women in marriages and they feel devastated and lost. And God says, I come all the more. I come all the more to you. It's in that that God comes all the more, just like He did to Leah. In the end, Leah was the one who was buried next to Jacob. Leah was the one. Jesus comes and he says, he says, I'm not going to break, see that you're broken. You are going to last. You're dimly burning wick. I'm going to make sure your light stays. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's who the Lord Jesus is. That's who he is. That is what he is like. Now I want to show you some things I want to share my screen here a minute. Okay, so we had looked at this map before. We had looked at this timeline before, and this is just to show you again that that when Abraham was seventy-five years old, the original promise was given. And and uh, uh, that that promise. This is this is the years from the promise, the promise, and it's it's going to be four hundred thirty years to the Exodus. And here are the different verses. We saw this map before. And so then we see that when when uh, Abraham is 100, Ishmael is 14, Isaac is born and so on. And when when Ishma when Isaac is five, that's when Ishmael starts mocking him. And that's where the 400 years to the exodus is going to come. That's 30 years from the initial promise. And then it goes on. And so you see Isaac is 151. Jacob is 91 when Joseph is born. And then Joseph is sold into slavery when he's 17. His father is 108. His grandfather is 168. And then we go on. Isaac dies at 180. Jacob was 120 when Isaac died. Joseph was 29, but he's in Egypt at this time. So Isaac very much saw his son uh, uh, have to go through this loss of, of losing his favorite son, Joseph. And uh, uh this is when, when uh, uh, Joseph appears before Pharaoh when he's 30 years old. And, and, uh, um, and then this is when Jacob comes into Egypt. Joseph is 39. Jacob is 147 when he dies. That's what we're talking about day, today. It's going to be 198 years till the Exodus. Joseph at this time is 56 when he, he sees his father die. When Jacob dies, Joseph is 56. And, and uh, uh, Joseph, remember, is going to live to be 110 when he dies. And it's 64 years between the time that Joseph dies and the time that Moses is born. When Jacob dies, they're still quite respected in the land of Egypt. Egypt is going to mourn for Jacob for 70 days. When Joseph dies at 110, so during this time, from the time Joseph is 56... You add 54 years, this 54-year span from the time that Joseph is 56 to the time Joseph is 110, there's going to be a big shifting in the Egyptians' attitudes toward the Israelites in their land. And then in another 64 years, when Moses is born, there's in full swing genocide where they're told to take the male children and kill them all. This is full-scale genocide. So it's during this period they really fall out of favor during this period. But the, the thing that I want to show you here is, is that, is that uh, and so then, then when Moses is born, it's when Moses is 80 that the years to Exodus are complete. The 430 years from the time of promise. There were 200 and something years in the land of Egypt, 400 years, 430 years from, from the first promise, 400 years from the first persecution which started, which started toward from Ishmael toward, uh, uh, um, Isaac. Okay. But let me take you to this other presentation here. So this is the hard life of Jacob. This is what I want you to see for today. So Jacob had, had, uh, had a tough, abusive brother in Esau, tough and abusive brother. His father, uh, uh Isaac loved his brother. So as far as Jacob was concerned, Isaac loved Esau much more than he loved Jacob. That's what the Bible says. Uh, he, Jacob was pushed to deceive by his mother. His mother pushed him to deceive his father, Isaac. He, you, you know that he, he didn't even want to do it. In fact, he protested and his mother said, look, let this be upon me. And remember, Joseph loved being more in the home than he did being outside, but he was not a mama's boy by any stretch of the imagination. He was extremely strong and extremely able because remember he is the one who moves a stone that it took several shepherds to move the stone. He was able to move it himself. Uh, uh, his mother knew his mother said that, look, should I be bereaved of both of my children in one day? So she pushed him to, to, so he was hated by his brother Esau and he flees his murderous brother at the prompting of his mother. He said, She said, you better leave here because, because, uh, your brother is going to try to kill you. And should I lose both of my children in one day? So she knew that, uh, uh, Jacob would fight to the death with his brother and she'd lose both of the sons. But she ends up losing both of her sons in that day because Esau ends up leaving and, and, uh, 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 Joseph ends up leaving and, I'm sorry, Jacob ends up leaving and she never sees Jacob again. She dies before he returns. He then flees his murderous brother. So think of all these things that are happening in his life. He worked seven years for the wrong wife, Leah. So he was deceived by his father-in-law. He worked seven years for the wrong wife. Then he worked another seven years for the wife that he wanted. Then he, then he, he had a painful home life and sex life. His two wives were arguing all the time over him, uh, made his life miserable, uh, uh, where, where Rachel took control of, of uh, uh, decided who would sleep with him and who wouldn't, that only she could sleep with him and only she could allow Leah to sleep with him. I mean, this is, this is a, a hard life uh, and it's painful, home life and sex life. He worked six years for the flocks. He had to bear the loss of Laban's flocks for many years. Uh, uh, he worked for Laban, yet he had to bear the loss of any time some animal took one of the, the flock, he had to bear the loss himself. He had to endure heat and cold, though he preferred inside, he preferred living inside rather than in the field. We learned that from back when he was in, in, in the land of Canaan. But here he spent years in the field. He talks about how he, it was so hot during the day. And then at night, the cold caused his sleep to flee from him. Uh, Rachel, the wife that he loves, steals her father-in-law's idols. I want you to think about this because I want you to think about what your life is like. Think about the pains that have gone on in your life and compare them to the pains that this guy has gone through. Rachel, his, the wife that he loves, ends up stealing her father's idols. Uh, Laban then seeks to kill him. So this is the second person that is out to kill him. How many people have been out to actually kill you? Think about this. This guy has now a second person out to kill him. Rachel, he has to take the, the idols away from Rachel and he ends up burying those idols so she can't get at them again. So he, he's, he's trying to teach his wife not to be an idol worshiper. And so if you've ever had to, to work with your wife to... You know, to, to seek the Lord more. I mean, I bet she wasn't worshiping idols at the time. Um, he lives as a sojourner. I mean, he's constantly on the move. Uh, Rachel dies when he's en route to the land of Canaan. So so en uh, in, in route to, to the land of Canaan, Ra- Rachel dies. Uh, Reuben uh, sleeps with Jacob's wife. So one of his sons now sleeps with one of his wives. I mean, I mean, how often does this happen? I mean, this is, this is, this is rough stuff that this guy has gone through. All right. He's a foreigner to the Shechemites. So he lives outside the land of Shechem. He buys a small plot of land. He is a foreigner there. His daughter Dinah is raped and then taken by Shechem, the prince of those people. He is taken and she is raped by him. Then Two of his sons become murderers. They kill every male in the land of Shechem deviously. They become murderers. I told you, uh, Shuri and I know a woman in the church we were in 25 years ago whose son murdered somebody and the devastation that it caused in that family. Here he had two sons became murderers. Think of this guy's life, what he went through. Ten sons ravaged the spoil in Shechem and take slaves from Shechem. So ten of his sons do this. The, the two plus eight others end up doing this. So, so, uh, uh, Joseph and Benjamin were not party to this. He has to flee for his life from the Canaanites because he feels that after what happened in Shechem, the Canaanites are going to band together and kill him. So he flees to, he has to set up a new home in, in the Hebron area. Uh, his favorite son is killed and torn by beasts. So he, 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 he's come to surmise based on what the evidence that his other sons deceived him with. But as far as he knows, his son is killed and torn by beasts. So he loses one of his sons, his favorite son. Ten of his sons are deceivers to him, deceiving him with this information. Uh, Judah, his son, marries a Canaanite woman. The very thing that he dreaded is what took place. Judah then commits incest with Tamar, his daughter-in-law, which was really a Leverite vow that, that uh, uh, could have been fulfilled in this way. Either his sons could have fulfilled it or he could have fulfilled it. Uh, but, in, in other, but, but from a Jewish perspective, it was, it was incest. There were two grandsons were killed for their wickedness. So he has two grandsons that die because they, they end up the sons of Judah because they're so wicked. He, famine hits and threatens the entire family existence. At 130 years old, he has to move to Egypt. At 130 years old, he has to move to another country. And with all the uncertainty of that, after 22 years, he now gets to Egypt and he learns that his 10 sons deceived him. They were the ones that sold their brother into slavery, yet told him that, oh, uh, uh, we don't know what happened to your son, Joseph. Well, we found his, his, uh, his multicolored tunic. Here it is, it's covered in blood. Could this be his? And, and uh, uh, so he finds out that they are deceivers after 22 years. His sons are accused of being spies in Egypt. Simeon is imprisoned in Egypt. And then he has no idea how it's going to end up for him in the land of Egypt. This is a quick summary of the life of Jacob. This is what this guy has gone through. Yet in all of this, he never, ever, ever turned away from God. He thought multiple times that he was going to be bereaved of, his, of more of his children. He was bereaved of one. He thought he would be bereaved of many others when they had to go into Egypt. Yet in the end, God took him through all of this. Look at this life. Can you tell me that your life is harder than this? This is crazy hard. And look at this guy, it is just wrapped around God in everything, in everything it's wrapped around God. Job said in Job chapter 13 verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. This man never moved from his position with God. This man was upright in all his dealings, he was upright, he's uh, uh, Laban had deceived him, put Leah into his, got him drunk, put Leah into his tent that first wedding night. He ends up having sex with Leah. He doesn't just say, well, this marriage is off. You gave me the, no, he realized because he had sex with her, that meant something. And he kept her. And he assumed that his seven years of work were for her. I mean, this was an upright guy. Remember when it spoke of him when he was was a young man it gave him the word tem, T-A-M, this this Hebrew word tem. Uh, it's only spoken of of Noah and of Job, which means a, a perfect man. This guy was so good in his ways. Oh, and besides this, I forgot one. I forgot that he was touched in his hip, so he had a limp. So he had a physical ailment to him too, so he was limping. You, you have a dislocated hip and try to walk on that? I mean, what that does, any physical therapist will tell you it throws off your knees. Your knees are going to start hurting. hurting, Your your, 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 uh, ankles will start hurting because you start walking differently. This guy had to endure all of this. And he continued to follow God, continued to accept God because God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is near to those to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When your spirit is crushed, God is all the more close to you. If we cry out to him in our, in our despair, in our, in our hardships, he is all the closer to us. That is who our God is like. That is what he does. Our God is like that. Our God is kind and gracious in every way. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Let me just stop sharing this and go back to this view. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Jesus says, come to me. This is the message of the gospel. If you do not know Jesus today, I urge you, come. Jesus says, come to me. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. I urge you, come to me. He says, you have no idea how gentle I am. You can pick up the burdens that I give you. I'll carry your life's burdens. And you can pick up my burdens, which are much easier compared to what life's burdens are giving you now. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. And, and, and I will carry these things for you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. If you have been bruised in a marriage. If you have been bruised by parents. Or bruised by your children. Things that people have said to you. Comments that things have made to you. That people have made to you. That you have carried for years. If you have been an abused woman in a marriage. Look at this guy's life. The composite of him. And Leah, the two of them. And what we see in this little portion in Genesis is God's blessing that poured out upon these people that went through so much in their lives. There was so much that came upon these people. But God, God was there for them. And that's what Jesus is in our lives. If you are bruised, He will mend you up. He won't just tear it out. A a, a bruised reed, he will not he, he will not break. And a dimly burning wick, if there's just any life in you, a dimly burning wick, He will not extinguish. He will bring life from that. This is the cause of the gospel. This is what the gospel is all about. It is Jesus coming. We take our burdens and we lay them at His feet and we take upon us the love of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit filling our lives. There is so much blessing He has for us and that part of being his child is never, ever, ever taken away. Their sonship was never taken away. No matter how bad they were, it was never taken away. And there was always a path for return, as we saw in the life of Judah. Judah had a miserable life, just a train wreck of a life that was that, that was just filled with, with, with Canaanite women, with prostitutes. But God got a hold of his heart. And God changed his life. This is what God has for us. This is the message of the cross. This is the message of the gospel. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you, send me an email and I will meet with you personally. By Zoom, I will meet with you. Let me lead you to the feet of Jesus and let your life be changed. You will be saved that very day. Let's pray.